Father, what a great privilege we have in prayer. And yet, why is it so many of us struggle with this so often? So Father, we thank you for this time now that we can uh, spend a few moments thinking about it, uh, hearing from parts of your word. Father, we pray that you will help us to see prayer for what it truly is. Help us to remove any unhelpful baggage that may be hindering our more faithful praying. Uh, Father, above all, help us to see you as our Heavenly Father who desires us to come to you uh, with our requests. Father, please help us to pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we go into the points in the handout, I thought I better cover some of the basics of prayer first, okay, before we look at the two points there. So the first basic question, obviously, is what is prayer? Okay, what's, uh, what, what, what do you mean when you say prayer? Okay, the simplest, most basic understanding of prayer is that prayer is talking to God. Prayer is making requests of your heavenly Father. It's simply that it's talking to God. It's speaking to Him. It is asking Him for things. It is making requests of Him. So if this is the definition, it means therefore that prayer is not meditation. Okay? Prayer is not, you know, the wheel spinning, flags fly. Okay, that's, that's other religions. But, uh, in Christian circles, we might think that, okay, prayer is that quietness not saying anything, trying to experience God's presence. And if you don't say anything, then that goes against the definition of prayer, which is talking. Okay, Talking is done with words, whether it's uh, audible or you know in your mind, but it is talking to God. So if it's just meditation, it's not prayer. If it's uh, you know, trying to listen to what God might be saying to you, that's not prayer. Okay, Prayer is also not simply having a prayerful attitude. Okay, you know what I mean by that? A prayerful attitude. Sometimes when I'm too busy in the morning and I don't, you know, get time to, or I'm not disciplined to actually pray, then, ah, yeah, I didn't pray this morning. Okay, never mind. I'll correct for that by having a prayerful attitude. Now, a prayerful attitude is good. You know, an attitude of dependence on God is good. But if I'm not actually talking to Him, that's not prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. Prayer is done with words, speaking to God, our Heavenly Father. And so if it's about talking to God, then what's important about uh, talking to God, what's important in our words is not having a certain feeling. That I must be having a certain feeling, you know, maybe some uh, shiver down my spine or this feeling of great trust or some emotion, ah, then it's prayer. No, it's simply talking to God. There's no feeling that I must have before I pray, during I pray, or after I pray to, to, to make it uh, prayer. What's important about talking to God is also not our tone of voice. There's no need to change your tone of voice. Right? So if the you know service leader comes and he says, okay, good morning everyone, welcome to BDPC now, let's pray together, shall we? Dear Heavenly Father. Okay, now that's, that's, okay. 
That's just putting on a show for others, right? There's no need to change your tone of voice. There's no need to use special language. You know, so like the whole time you talk Singlish, but when you pray, you go D and Dao, Dao Art and all that. No, 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 just talk to God. There's no need for a special tone, special feeling, or special uh, prayer words even. What is important is what we do say and whether we mean what we say. Right? Of course, we can, you know, in front of others, pray the right thing, right, for them to hear. Right, because I know they want to hear this sort of right prayer, so i it for them. I'm not really meaning what I say, and God knows that. So what's important is that, uh, what is the content of our prayer? What is it that we actually ask for, and whether we mean what we ask for? And so I want to focus on what we do say. Okay, what is it that we do say to God? And you see in uh, your outline that the first point there is praying like a child, praying like a child. Now, on many occasions, Jesus said to his disciples, you must become like little children. He spoke of discipleship, true discipleship, as of being like a little child. And uh, you saw in the scripture reading, people bringing children to Jesus, but the disciples rebuked them. And then Jesus saying uh, in verse 14 and 15. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Right. So, very clear. You must become like little children. Now, he's not talking about having the purity or the innocence of a little child. Right? The, what the disciples understood when he said that, um, you must understand the social status of a child in the first century. Right? So when, when, when Jesus took, spoke of a child, when the disciples heard Jesus talking about a child, they understood that a child in that society was one who had no power, was one who had no ability to influence, no position to make demands. A child was utterly dependent on his or her parents. That was what a child was. Now, okay, in our time, I know it is very different, right? You see a child, think of a child, it's a very different concept. No, so an extreme example is... Um, Maria's cousin's child. Okay, they live in New Zealand, stay with the grandparents, and uh, got two cars. So every time the family goes out for a meal, it is the grandson that decides which car they go in. So, you know, imagine the carrying the grandson out, and then they all stand in the driveway, and then the grandson goes, this car! And they all get into that car. Okay, now, only... In our society, that something like this happens, okay? In Jesus' time, okay, obviously there were no cars, but a child had no such power, right? A child truly was one who was supposed to be seen and not heard. Okay, a child is utterly dependent. And so, when Jesus says you must become like a child, 
He's saying you must come to God as one who knows you have no rights, no status to make any demands of God. You come admitting your complete dependence. It is all up to Him. Complete dependence. You must have this childlike dependence or you will never enter, Jesus says. Now, but of course, it's not just about entering the kingdom of heaven. Life in the kingdom, after you have entered, is also one of childlike dependence. Right? Now, let me ask you then, if that is the case, that life as a Christian, life as a citizen of this kingdom, must also be marked by childlike dependence on God. Then let me ask you, what is one of the primary evidences of such childlike dependence? Right? If childlike dependence is supposed to be a mark of one who is in the kingdom, what is an indicator? What is one of the primary okay, indicators of a person who has such childlike dependence? And the answer is? And the answer is? Louder. Sorry, Ma. Humility. Okay, yes, that's true. Other, 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 anyone else? Primary evidence that you have such childlike dependence is prayer. Ah, okay, you all forgot it, right? Tell my story, tell my story. You forgot what the topic today is. No, no, it is, it is prayer. Of course, the answer is about prayer. It's all about prayer today. Right, so if, if you, if a person is in effect, prayerless. His, his life is marked by a lack of prayer. It means no matter what he says he believes, no matter what answers he gives in a Bible study, either he thinks, whatever it is, I can handle it. Okay, that, I mean, that, that could be one of the reasons why there is a lack of prayer. That, uh, he really thinks he can handle it. Or, Somewhere inside his mind and heart, he thinks that God doesn't care. That's why there's no point talking to God, asking God for help. Right? So either he thinks he can handle it, or he thinks even if he asks God, God doesn't care. Or, you know, the reality is to him, God doesn't really exist. It's just, it's just a theory. It's just an idea. God doesn't really exist. And so, prayerlessness is an indicator of self-sufficiency, that you have a warped view of God, He doesn't care, or you, you know, practically you are an atheist. Or worse yet, if you are a Christian leader, you teach the Bible in some way, and there is uh, prayerlessness in your life, and that is in one sense the ultimate hypocrisy. Because here you are standing, promoting a product that you don't actually believe in. So, um, now, I'm going to say two things before we continue. Uh, the first thing is that I'm not here trying to make you feel guilty. Okay? Because I am a failure in prayer speaking to what I believe is other failures in prayer. And what we need is the encouragement of God's truth to uh, help us to press on. Uh, and 
seek to be more faithful in our prayer. Now, the second thing I want to say is, I should have said this earlier, is what I'm saying today uh, is not my ideas. I am dependent on the books on prayer that I've read, books that have uh, directed me to passages and truths in the Bible. So I want to acknowledge them. I should have acknowledged them right at the beginning. So I've, I've really benefited from Michael Reeves' book, uh, Enjoy Your Prayer Life, from Paul Miller's book, uh, A Praying Life, and uh, most recently, Don Whitney has uh, written a book called Praying Scripture, something like that. Praying the Scriptures, okay? Which is our second point, okay? So uh, I, I'm dependent on these people. If you want to follow up more on this topic, then uh, I recommend to you any of those three books. Okay, so uh, the main thing is, okay, I'm not here to make us feel guilty because I also fail at this. Now, one reason why we fail at it is because we often come to prayer and we think of it as this is an activity that Christians must perform. This is an activity to do. And so because it is an activity to do, an activity to perform, we feel burdened to perform this activity well. I mean, we are Singaporeans after all. You know, we right? We want to perform well, right? That's, that's in our national psyche, right? Um, and so if it's an activity, I want to perform this activity well. And so we, sometimes in prayer, we are more concerned about whether we have a certain feeling, we are more concerned about whether we are saying the right things, putting it in the right way. Am I, you know, using the right words? And maybe, uh, unaware to yourself, ultimately I think we are trying to project a certain spiritual image. And if we are praying with others, you can understand that, right? If you are leading in prayer, then, then there's, there's this great temptation to project a certain you know, spiritual image to others. Oh, this person pray, you know, so well and wow, use the word so well. You know, you, know, you want to project, you know, so that's understandable. But even in our private press, we are also tempted to project a spiritual image. For who? Who are we trying to impress? There's no one else beside me, right? The children are asleep, Marie's asleep. Who am I trying to impress? Believe it or not, I'm trying to impress God. And I think... You do that as well. So, um, let me use an illustration from uh, Philip Jensen's book, which is also recommended, um, and tell you about a typical morning when I wake up. So I wake up, I go to my desk, and I get my Isaiah devotion. I get my leather-bound Valley of Vision Puritan Press. I get my journal get my leather-bound Bible, you know, this thing, you know, well, I, I like leather, okay, and then I, I, I make myself a cup of coffee, try to wake up, and I sit down, okay, I, I do my best to read the Isaiah devotion, you know, so I, okay, I get, I get, uh, okay, sometimes, sometimes I don't even make it through that, but let's say I make it through that and get to the prayer time, okay, then I crack open the, the Puritan prayer to, you know, learn from how they pray, and then I'm thinking, okay, okay, um, focus, focus on God, okay, focus on what I've read, in Isaiah, you know, his majesty. And then I'm thinking, eh, I gotta prepare a talk for Isaiah for the students' conference. Wow, don't know whether I got time, man. Ah, maybe this would be a good illustration to use. And I haven't, you know, I haven't, I haven't even started praying yet. And then, okay, wait, what am I thinking about Isaiah? Okay, okay, God, God, uh, God, 
God, I, I, I really need help. Okay, no, no, don't pray about the Isaiah talk yet. That, that's for later. Now, focus on praising God first. Okay, so I'm going to praise God. Praise God. God, you are so majestic. And then, beep, beep, the watch goes, eh, I, I should, why does, why do I allow my watch to beep and distract me? Okay, I must remember to turn it off. Get up, get back, get back to pray. Okay, God, God, you are, God, you are majestic. Uh, and then, Sharona comes. Daddy, Anthony just pulled and he's playing with it in the court. God, give me strength for today. See, the first time that I think I prayed that morning was my very last line. When I actually, you know, okay, forget about, you know, the right feelings, forget about, uh, you know, using the right words, a Puritan press, when I actually directed my words to God. When I was more conscious about not an activity to perform, but talking. I was more conscious about the person with whom I'm talking to and actually spoke to him and asked him for himself, God, I, please give me the strength I need for this. That's when I actually prayed. So, we must come as a little child. Not focus on the activity to perform, but focus on who it is that we're talking to. And who, he, who that we're, the person that we're talking to is not just holy, holy, holy God. He is that. He's not just a creator. He's not just majestic. He is the one who has come to us in His Son. And because of what His Son has done, we are adopted as His children. We are coming before our Heavenly Father. And so because He is our Father, we do not have to pretend. There's no need to impress Him because there is no way to impress Him. He already knows how depraved and sinful we are. He is more aware of our failures and mistakes than we ourselves are aware of. We don't have to try to impress Him. There is no way we can do that. God knows who we are. God knows what we are like anyway. So just come as you really are. Speak to Him as, as, as what's really on your mind. Just talk to Him. You're tired. You, you don't feel like praying. You don't feel like reading. You tell Him that. But you ask Him for the help to go on. There's no need to try to get the prayer right. Just talk to your Heavenly Father. Tell Him what your worries are. Tell Him what your fears are. Right? Sometimes before we can really come and be real before God, come as we are, we need to spend some time actually being aware of the mess that we are in. But I mean, we, I think we sometimes like to sweep things under the carpet. And because we are so used to uh, trying to convince others that we have it all together, that we end up fooling ourselves, that we do have it all together. No, you do not have it all together. No one has it all together. We are messed up. We need help. And so sometimes it might help to just take a moment to reflect. Yeah, yeah, I messed up. How could I think that in that situation? How could I have that motivation? You know, when, when this person said that to me, how, 
you know, and just, 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 just be aware that we are messy and come messy before God. There's no need to try and impress Him. Come as a completely dependent child because there is no other way to come. Okay, so that's uh, what it means to pray like a child. The the illustration that I learned from uh, Tim Keller is this. Uh, so you imagine a king, and a king who is powerful. Okay, not like not like the king in um, you know in UK where it's just a figurehead. No, a real king, real king with real power, real authority. Now, if it's three a.m. in the morning, his prime minister would feel fearful to try and wake him up and tell him something. His uh, secretary, uh, personal assistant, might feel, you know, very, very reluctant to wake him up and ask him something. The only person who will dare approach that king and wake him up at 3 a.m. and ask him for a glass of water is his beloved son, is his beloved child. Only that child can wake the king at 3 a.m. and not, you know, without any fear, without you know, being scolded without getting the king angry because the king knows that the child is dependent on him. The king loves the child. And if this is true of, you know, even the worst human king, how much more so the king of kings, our heavenly father, if you are a believer in Christ, if you are a Christian, do you realize that you and I have that kind of access to God because He is our Heavenly Father. We must come to Him as a dependent child. There's no other way to come. Now the second point I want to talk with you about is a praying scripture. Right, so we are focused on what to say. Okay, what, what do we actually say to God? Now, when we come in our prayer times and we pray, what are the subjects that you always find yourself praying about? Pray for yourself, obviously. Pray for your family. You might pray for some difficult situation that you're in. Pray for, you know, some decision you must make in the future. I mean, things like that, right? Okay. Now, when you see um, your wife and your children on the prayer list, what do you say? What do you pray for? I mean, most of the time it ends up as, okay, God bless my wife. God bless my kids. And maybe a little bit more. But you know, you get, you get my point. We, we, we keep saying the same things about the same topics. Now what <clears throat> I'm going to share with you um, now is something that I learned from uh, Don Whitney. So if you want to follow up more on this you can get his book or you can go to Crossway and sign up for his five-day email course about praying the Bible. Okay, you can just Google pray the Bible and uh, it, will, it, will, it will come up. Okay, so I'm just trying to encourage you with uh, a simple, helpful method that I hope will encourage us all in our prayer. Because the reason why we sometimes don't get as much of our prayer. We don't persist in it, persevere in it as much as we should. It's because we keep saying the same things 
about the same topics. Like we run out of things to say. We don't know what to say. Yes, I know I should pray for my family, you know, for my parents, you know, please save them. But, but apart from that, what do I say? Now, the answer is, ta-da! Okay, use the Bible. Pray the Bible. Pray scripture. Okay, now, some of you, if you have been a Christian long enough, you would have come across people telling you this. Now, uh, <clears throat> Don Whitney, has uh, a way of doing it that I'm going to share with you. So, for example, turn to Psalm 23. Okay, that's why we read it. Okay, we're going to use Psalm 23 uh, as an example of how to pray Scripture. Now, of course, you can pray any part of Scripture, but the Psalms is a good place to start because of what the Psalms are. The Psalms are in... Uh, their nature, prayers to God, praises to God, people crying out to God. So it is um, the most obvious place to start. Right. So uh, go to Psalm 23, and the idea is you read the first verse. Okay, so this is your prayer time, and you're at Psalm 23, and the first verse goes, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And then you pray based on what you have just learned from that verse. So you can go, yeah, God, I thank you that you are my shepherd. I thank you that you are a good shepherd. And I see your, your, your hand leading and guiding me over that, that difficult situation that I just experienced. And I pray that you will shepherd uh, my son as he goes through this uh, important decision he needs to make. And then you, you know, you just, you just pray anything that comes to your mind based on this verse. Now, what happens when you run out of things to pray? You run out of things to ask God for based, based on this verse. You go to the next verse. And the next verse is, He makes me Lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And then you pray whatever comes to your mind based on this verse. You could go, ah, yes, I see, you know, Nick the intern really harassed lately. I think, uh, I think the church, you know, uh, leadership is asking too much from him. I, I pray you really grant him some refreshment. <clears throat> you, you lead him beside quiet waters. He needs to be refreshed in his soul. You know, something like that. You pray that for yourself. And then, what happens when you run out of things to say? You go to the next verse. Okay, you get the idea? Now, what happens if you run out of time and you haven't finished the whole psalm? Wow, die lah. You know, you better, you better kind of confess to me or confess to pastor. How dare you not finish the psalm? No, of course, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It doesn't matter. See, either you run out of verses to pray, or you run out of time. If you, you know, if you, if you, if you're set 15 minutes to pray before you rush off to work, okay, then 15 minutes, after 15 minutes and you're still in verse 3, that's fine. You don't have to finish the psalm. No! There's nothing here that says you've got to finish the whole psalm. I mean, what if you find yourself in Psalm 119? 
Right. Okay. So either either you you run out of verses or you run out of time. Okay, what if in 15 minutes and you finish the whole psalm and then you still have another 10 minutes, what do you do? Okay, now you see, uh, this is why you all had to send me to Bible college. I, I mean, you know, I had to go for further training to be taught by godly, educated uh, pastors. When you have more time, but you finish the psalm already, okay, this is what you must do. You go on to the next psalm. Okay, you got that? Okay? Yeah, okay, I have to do a paper on this, right? No, no, I'm kidding. I, I mean, is, is it obvious? Okay, do you see that there is no way you can fail? There's no way you can get it wrong. Okay, so, you know, at the end of today or, or next morning when you try this, just open up the Bible, go to, I mean, you might want to start at the beginning. Okay, start at Psalm 1, and then read the first line, and pray. Pray anything that comes to your mind. Now, what if, okay, now this part, I need to be clear. What if what you pray for has nothing to do with the psalm? Ah, how like that? Okay, so for example, uh, Psalm 23, verse 6. Okay, so let's say you're at uh, verse 6 and it reads, Surely your goodness and love will follow me. And then when you read the word surely, you think of surely. You know, surely going to Cambodia or something like that. And then, you know, the Lord puts surely in your mind. Would it be okay to pray for surely then? Even though surely has nothing to do with surely your goodness and love will follow me. Is it okay to pray for surely then? Yes. Yes. Okay, because what you're doing is not Bible study interpretation on Psalm 23. What verse 6 means. You're not telling God what verse 6 means. Believe it or not, He knows what verse 6 means. You're just, you know, because you read this and then surely came to your mind, it's okay to pray for surely then. And and obviously you can pray, okay, as, as, as surely goes to Cambodia, may your goodness and mercy follow her. And may your goodness and mercy you know, spread to those that she ministers. Perfectly fine. Now let me give you the text in the scripture that says you can do this. Right? Another important text about prayer is Philippians 4. Right? What does Philippians 4 say? Do not be anxious about anything, but in Everything. Okay, now, let me just ask you, what does everything mean? Everything means? Everything. Yes. Thank you, Nara. Very good. Yeah, everything means everything, right? Um, yeah, I hope you get a point, okay? Because you must make a distinction. You are not conducting a Bible study before God. Now, obviously, there is a right interpretation, but you are not doing that. You are simply using the scriptures to guide you, to, to give you the thoughts, the words, the categories that God inspired. These are words God gave to us. And then we are praying, talking back to Him. It is really very much like a conversation. right? So we said prayer is talking to God. 
But the important thing to realize is who has spoken first. It's not me. It's not us who is talking first. It is God who has spoken first. And so like a conversation with a real person, God has given us these topics, these agendas, and we are praying it back to Him. Now sometimes the agenda lies outside of uh, the verse. Is that alright? Yes. No one, you are not claiming to say that that is the interpretation of this verse. No, this verse prompted you to pray for Shirley, you pray for Shirley, that's fine. Now the other thing is, is it possible to, you know, you can pray for the right thing, so you pray for Shirley, but you pray the wrong thing for Shirley. You know, maybe you pray that, oh, uh, God, she's going out with this non-Christian guy, um, I pray that you really uh, get them to love each other, you know, fall in love because, you know, Shirley needs to find someone. Now, would that be praying the wrong thing for Shirley? Right? To, to, to pray that she gets married to a non-Christian guy. Would that be a wrong thing to pray for? Yes, right? Yeah, okay. So, obviously, obviously, that's possible. Right? Now, just because that's possible, does it mean that you don't pray until you get all your theology sorted? Then that's not going to happen, right? No one, no one then is going to pray because none of you is going to get your theology sorted on this side of heaven. But you see, uh, as Don Whitney gives the illustration, it is more difficult. It takes more effort to get a plane off the ground than when it is already flying to simply correct the course, right? So to get someone who is marked by prayerlessness to get him to be actually seeing the privilege and access he has to come before God and to be actually, you know, persevering in prayer. That takes a lot of work. But once that person is doing that, then if he makes mistakes here and there about, you know, asking the wrong things, then that's actually a lot easier to correct. And don't you know that every time we have Bible study, when we come together like this for a sermon, what we are doing is instructing us all in the Word so that as time goes by, we are learning, our minds are being renewed so that as time goes on, we know what should be the thing we ask for. What is the right thing to be actually praying for? Does this make sense? Okay. Now, do you think you can do it? Praying Scripture. Okay. Just look at the first verse. Anything that comes to your mind as prompted by that verse, you pray and you come real. Right? You come messy. You just tell God what's truly on your heart, truly on your mind as prompted by that verse. Okay? Do you think you can do it? And then you run out of things to say, go to the next verse. Next verse, there's nothing you can think of. Just go on to the next verse. The next verse, also nothing you can think of. Just go on to the next verse. Now, there are 150 Psalms. Okay. I'm sure you will come to a verse that you can think of something to pray for. Does it, does it make sense? Okay. You, you cannot get this wrong. Okay. You can pray for the wrong thing. I say, uh, say, ask for the wrong thing about the right topic. But that, as I said, is why we are focused on studying the Bible in this church. But it, I want to encourage you 
to be a dependent child and to express that dependence by actually depending on God. Right? And it does take faith. Right? Every minute that you spend in prayer is one minute less that you have to tackle the issue. So it does take faith. It is a sacrifice in that sense. But do you think God is able? Do you think He cares? Well, the Bible tells us He is our Heavenly Father who loves us. Okay, so um, what I want you to do is to spend a few minutes, okay, just two minutes, trying that. Okay, so just flip to any psalm. Okay, flip to any psalm. <clears throat> a way to do it is uh, like, okay, so if today is the 26th, you go to Psalm 26. Okay, that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is you just put a bookmark, okay, you know, this, the ribbon here. Some of you have it. I, I got, I got two, uh-huh, okay. Um, you put one of the ribbons in Psalm 1. Okay, so you know you're starting from there. And then if you, if you wake up one morning and the, the whole Psalm, there's, there's nothing you can pray for. Just go on to the next Psalm. And then you put your bookmark, where you stop. Then you, you have the whole Psalter, right? Even if you pray five Psalms a day, uh, you, that, you have enough Psalms to last you for a whole month. Okay, when you come to the end of the month, you can start from the beginning again. You're done with the Psalms, okay, that's still the New Testament, right? Okay, you never run out of things to pray for, okay? And the thing that you pray for will be a unique prayer. It will not just be, bless my wife, Bless my kids. Bless the work of my hands. No, you'll be like, yeah, shepherd them. Lead them beside quiet waters. And things that, that come out from, from those verses. Okay, so pick a psalm. Okay, any psalm. And I want to give us uh, two minutes to try this. Okay? Yeah, so please, um, let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. Yeah. This is about prayer. And so obviously, we must end by actually praying. Not just me talking. But let's all talk to God.